Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we are having conversations that matter for wherever the military has taken you. We're bringing you stories from real military spouses who not only understand the challenges, they are harnessing the opportunities to build lives they can love. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that will help you along your military life journey. Welcome everyone, this is Heather Campbell, and we are so thankful that you have joined us on the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we dive into the uniqueness of the military family journey by helping you build a life, a community, and a home you love when you are not in control of where you will call home next. Hey everyone, welcome back to this series about legislative action. If you guys have not gone back and listened to our previous episode, go back, listen to part one, give that intro to what we're talking about. But to give you an idea, we are doing a really high overview of some of the ways that we in the military community can be involved in some of the policymaking and decision-making process that sort of governs a lot of our life. So in this episode, we are going to be diving right in to the Military Quality of Life panel that is happening in Congress currently as we speak over the next year, and also the National Defense Authorization Act. We'll hear a little bit later today from our sponsor for today's episode, Navy Mutual, but for now, let's get right into it. Now, when we are talking about, if you listened to the previous episode, we talked about how and when to contact members of Congress, right? When is the appropriate time to contact those federal level legislators, right? Different things are decided at different levels. But for this one, we we were talking about that federal level. Now, the reason we're talking about this with the Mill Housing Network and the Mill Housing Nation podcast is because so much of our life in the military community is set by Congress. You know, we think that there's a certain level of leadership within the Department of Defense, but really, ultimately, those decisions, those budgets that they even have to work with, those come from our legislative branch in our government, right? We have three branches. This will take you back to the high school government class. We have executive branch, legislative branch, and our judicial branch. So this legislative branch is who's deciding how much money each department gets. Remember, there's different departments in government. They make up the cabinet, right? This is taking you back, that, that high school government. So the Department of Defense is within the cabinet, right? And we have our Secretary of Defense, he, you know, sits, he's in charge. So they are working within what Congress gives them. So when we're advocating for some of these things that we might see as boots on the ground, if you will, in the veteran and military community, both as service members, as family members, and then also just as, as friends and family or retirees, people in this community saying, hey, we're noticing there's a gap in this, or hey, this isn't working quite like it's designed to work, right? So that's when we get involved. So that sort of gives you a little bit of background of what we talked about last week and, and how we are going to dive in today. So the two biggest interests for the general population when it comes to military are going to be that we're going to talk about today are the National Defense Authorization Act and this quality of life panel. Now, first, let's talk about the National Defense Authorization Act. You'll commonly hear it referred to as the NDAA or the defense bill right? Acronyms are probably what you'll most commonly hear, NDAA, but if you've been in the military for any length of time, you won't be surprised that we love acronyms in other parts of government as well. So the defense bill, there's two different chambers of Congress. Remember, there's House and there's Senate, and they each come forward with their version of what this bill should be, but ultimately, they have to come to an agreement. So sometimes there's a difference in what the House says and what the Senate says and what their versions say, and they kind of have to marry the two, and then both chambers of Congress have to pass it, and then ultimately it gets signed by our executive branch, which is going to be our president. So both houses come together, they pass this bill. Typically in years past, as long as I can remember, they never pass it on time. 
The fiscal year starts October 1st, and they don't often have it done on time. Now, this NDAA, what does it actually cover in the defense bill? Well, first off is going to be any big projects. So if we need more aircraft carriers built, if we need more nuclear submarines built, if there's something, you know, we need tanks completely redone, we need a new generation of helicopters, we need a new generation of planes of some sort, um, we need a new career field created, we need a new branch of military created. All of these things, all these big projects can be done through the defense bill. Um, That's also where you're typically going to see the annual pay raises for military members. You're going to see any big quality of life improvements that need to be done that maybe aren't happening through the Department of Defense already, or maybe they don't have the funding to do these things. That can come through Congress. So sometimes those things get added to the defense bill as a way of saying, okay, let's actually make some action happen. Let's get this on the defense bill, right? So you'll hear it with TRICARE reform. You'll hear it with barracks. There was recently a study in Congress where they went in and and did a deep dive on suicide and mental health and said, hey, let's look at this at these number of bases and let's report back. There's a new one coming up with food insecurity and saying, hey, we want to look at this closer and and we want these different uh, places to be reporting back. So that's kind of what happens with this NDAA. Now, one of the big tricky parts about this is that the two houses have to agree. Now, here in 2023, We are trying to pass the 2024 bill, right, for the upcoming fiscal year. Well, technically, the year that has already started. And that requires both houses to agree. Now, the Senate passed their version a while ago. The House still needs to finalize their version, and then the two chambers have to come together. Here's the deal. Currently, at time of recording in October 2023, we do not have a Speaker of the House. Okay, who cares? What's the big deal? Okay. A lot of things cannot move forward in the House until they decide who the speaker is. So there's a lot of things in all of these appropriations committees that cannot go forward, including the defense bill. Now, you might have heard in the news recently talking about a government shutdown. Well, they did a continuing resolution and they said, hey, actually, we're going to buy ourselves some time and we're going to, I think it was six or seven weeks till mid-November. And then that buys us some time to come to an agreement on some of these things. Well, that continuing resolution cannot turn into a permanent resolution until we have a Speaker of the House. So you can see where this also gets interesting. So if they don't get a Speaker of the House, they can't pass a defense bill and they can't decide on the federal government's budget, which means that we could have a government shutdown, which means our civilian and contract counterparts and our Coast Guard counterparts aren't getting paid, right? So you can see how these things all trickle down to ultimately become burdens for military families. So it's important to know what parts of our life are really being controlled by Congress. You might sort of have this disconnect of, oh, well, I'm not really worried about all that political stuff until it really comes down to your household budget. And it gets very interesting to follow how all of that actually works. So if you have any interest in getting involved, now is a great time to reach out to your representatives, to reach out to your senators, Um, and give them your opinion, contact them, ask for updates on what they're doing, sign up for their newsletters, you know, sort of have that accountability as a constituent to know what's happening with our elected officials and how they're representing us as their constituents. Remember from the last episode, you can be a constituent of multiple places, maybe a place you own a home, your home of record, where you currently live, where you want to retire. All of those things can be areas of interest where you can consider yourself a constituent for those leaders. So that's a kind of a quick review of last week and then also talking about the defense bill. Now we're going to put a pin in it real quick and we're going to hear from this week's sponsor, Navy Mutual. 
Trust is everything. For 140 years, Navy Mutual has been safeguarding your family and your future. Navy Mutual's financial strength and stability ensures they'll be there when you need them the most. They are there to provide members high-quality, low-cost life insurance and annuities, educate the military and uniformed service community at large on matters of financial security, and to help members secure their earned survivor benefits. With commitment, competence, and character, for Navy Mutual, it's all about trust. Welcome back, everyone. Now, again, we say thank you to Navy Mutual. We cannot do what we do here at the Mill Housing Nation podcast without their support and their continuing support of this military community. Speaking of support for the military community, there is a very interesting thing going on in Congress right now, and this is our second big interest when we're talking about military and when we in the military community might want to reach out to our Congress representatives, right? Our our senators and our representatives. There's other areas, I I will put an asterisk in this, that there's other areas of concern that you might want to get involved. For myself, I do a lot of work in food insecurity, so I'm very interested in the farm bill and how we're funding programs like WIC and SNAP and how we're funding school lunch programs, right? That's a particular interest to me. I have colleagues who are very interested in housing, who are very interested in healthcare, who are very interested in Medicaid and Medicare, who are very interested in EFMP reform, right? So there's lots of different other things that sort of happen in Congress, but the big one that's affecting all of us is the defense bill, right? They control all of those chess pieces that make up our daily life. But that second one, this quality of life panel. Now, this is really interesting. This was formed through the House Armed Services Committee earlier this year, 2023. And they said, hey, we're going to put together a special panel and we are going to have them investigate a lot of different things and give us some recommendations for the FY25. Now, FY, that's fiscal year 25. So you know, once they're they're trying to pass the current budget, but they're already working on what do they want to put forward in the next one? Because when the new Congress term starts after the first of the year in January, they'll, they'll recess for the holidays, then they will come back and they will start on getting the things passed in 24, which ultimately govern 25, right? So if you've been in the military for any length of time and you hear about things, well, we need to get that approved. We need that project approved. And you see this lag time from like proposal to actually getting things done, this gives you an idea of why, right? It takes a while to get things moving, especially when you're talking about federal action and federal dollars. Now, this panel, there are 13 different members of the House who are on this panel from a variety of places. The chairman of this quality of life panel is Congressman Don Bacon. He is from Nebraska, which is the reason that I learned about this panel was one, I heard about it in a lot of the areas of advocacy, but also the chairman is from my hometown. So I took a special interest in in seeing what are they talking about? What are they doing? What does this look like? So here's sort of that high level view for you. There's 13 members on this panel. There are seven from the majority party, which is Republicans, and six from the minority party, which are the Democrats. So there's 13 total. And the main things that they are looking at are military compensation, childcare, housing, support programs for spouses like licensure compact, access to health care, different things like that, and also access to health care for all of the family, including special needs. And when we're talking about EFMP, so they're having guests come in, they're having experts come in, they're doing deep dives, they're doing visits to different bases, and they are really trying to get a look at what is going on, where are the pain points for the military community. And what's so interesting about this panel 
is they are not solely relying on those traditional lines of communication, right? When you think about chain of command in the military and everything sort of gets filtered up and bottlenecked and and only certain things get through, right? They are talking to, for lack of a better word, peasants. Peasants like myself, peasants like any of us to say, hey, we want to know what's going on. Is there something going on at your location? Is there something related to one of these topics that you can educate us on and keep us in the know? Now, this is not a panel for going in and belly aching about, you know, hey, this is so bad and and I want this fixed, right? This is a panel that's honestly data-driven and looking at big systemic issues and looking for systemic improvements and systemic solutions. But those are the things that they're looking at and that's who's on the committee and it's over about the next year or so and they will be reporting their findings back to make those recommendations for the NDAA in 2025 and start really seeing some of these improvements. And what's interesting about this is sometimes you'll see legislation go through that sounds really great on paper. Perfect example, a basic needs allowance that went through um, last year said, yep, we're going to make this basic needs allowance to help people stand in the gap if they're, you know, if they can't afford food. Well, the numbers are 24% of military families are struggling to put food on the table. And this basic needs allowance only helps 0.8%, right? So it looks great on paper. Hey, look, we created this thing. Well, you know, the implementation's kind of garbage and it's not actually helping anybody. So these are the kinds of things that this panel is looking at. How do we actually get change that the community needs? How can we hear from the community of where their pain points are and what they need and how we can support them? So again, I encourage you, look up this military quality of life panel. It's through the House Armed Services Committee. You can go in and see who those 13 members are. See if you have a connection with any of them. See if you're a constituent of one of them and reach out. And if not, you know, if you aren't connected with one of the members of that committee, you can still reach out to your own Congress representatives and say, hey, here's my concern. Here's my idea. Here's my concern. Here's this thing that I want you to be looking at. We can reach out at any time. Remember from last episode, that is part of the law. They have open lines of communication and we can share our concerns with our elected officials. And then their responsibility is to reply to that. And then also, you know, look into, is this something that is is verified? Do we really need to deep dive or pass along this information? So you have any interest in the defense bill, if you have any interest in the quality of life panel, those are two really big kind of easy ways to start getting involved in some of that advocacy and some of that legislative action. But those are only two areas to start. Again, you can look, we talked about this in the last episode, you can look at multiple nonprofits, any issue, military or not, you can look and see what nonprofits, what advocacy groups, what lobbying groups are working on those issues in DC and how can you get plugged in with them? How can you volunteer? How can you communicate? How can you support the efforts that they already have going? Because there's strength in numbers, right? And if you want to go far, you go together. And so finding those things that you're passionate about, finding those ways to share your voice and finding that root of getting to the people who are actually making the policies and making the decisions, that's how we're really going to feel like we have a little bit more of this active role in this lifestyle that ultimately we don't have a lot of decisions on. We don't often get to choose, you know, where we live or for how long and a lot of different details, but this is one way that we can make sure that our voice is heard and that we are taking an active role in building the life around us and ultimately creating home everywhere we go. Thank you all so much for being here. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We appreciate the feedback and comments that you share with us as we support our military community. Thank you for being part of the Mill Housing Nation. We appreciate you. The Mill Housing Nation is where you will always have a community, no matter where you are stationed.